So the reading is taken from Esther chapter 4 and chapter 5. Mordecai requests Esther's help. When Mordecai learned about all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on burlap and ashes, and went out into the city, crying with a loud and bitter wail. He went as far as the gate of the palace, for no one was allowed to enter the palace gate while wearing clothes of mourning. And as news of the king's degree reached all the provinces, there was great mourning among the Jews. They fasted, wept and wailed, and many people lay in burlap and ashes. When Queen Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai, she was deeply distressed. She sent clothing to him to replace the burlap, but he refused it. Then Esther sent for Hatak, one of the king's eunuchs, who had been appointed as her attendant. She ordered him to go to Mordecai and find out what was troubling him and why he was in mourning. So Hatak went out to Mordecai in the square in front of the palace gate. Mordecai told him the whole story, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai gave Hatak a copy of the decree issued in Susa that called for the death of all Jews. He asked Hatak to show it to Esther and explain the situation to her. He also asked Hatak to direct her to go to the king to beg for mercy and plead for her people. So Hatak returned to Esther with Mordecai's message. Then Esther told Hatak to go back and relay this message to Mordecai. All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter. And the king has not called for me to come for 30 days. So Hatak gave Esther's message to Mordecai. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in and see the king. If I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. Esther's request to the king. On the third day of the fast, Esther put on her royal robes 
and entered the inner court of the palace, just across from the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing there in the inner court, he welcomed her and held out the gold scepter to her. So Esther approached and touched the end of the scepter. Then the king asked her, What do you want, Queen Esther? What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. And Esther replied, If it please the king, let the king and Haman come today to a banquet I have prepared for the king. The king turned to his attendants and said, Tell Haman to come quickly to a banquet, as Esther has requested. So the king and Haman went to Esther's banquet. While they were drinking wine, the king said to Esther, Now tell me what you really want. What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. Esther replied, This is my request and deepest wish. If I have found favour with the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my request and do what I ask, please come with Haman tomorrow to the banquet I will prepare for you. Then I will explain what this is all about. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Diane, thanks so much. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your presence and your peace. We thank you for the sense of you being with us, and Lord, particularly when we gather together. And so we pray, Lord, that you'd open our hearts and lives and minds afresh to you, also to one another. Lord, that we would enjoy sweet communion this morning with you and with each other. And Lord, in that you would bring healing, you would bring life, you would bring heaven on earth more fully as we meet together in the power of the Spirit of Jesus Christ who died to set us free, to forgive us from our sins, to give us life in all its fullness. So Lord, speak to us, we pray. Meet with us, we pray. Transform us, we pray. Heal us, we pray. Guide us, we pray. Equip us and empower us, we pray. And send us out to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. There was a minister who had, with his wife, two children, uh, a son and a daughter. And uh, they're having some issues with the, the daughter about her behavior, particularly in church. And uh, particularly in dealing with her younger brother. And uh, so... The father said to his wife and to the daughter said, you know, if this Sunday uh, you misbehave, then your mommy is going to take you out of church and bring you straight home. So the daughter knew exactly where she stood, and she was really determined to be good this Sunday in going to church. But she found that right in the middle of the hymn, her little brother came up beside her and was annoying her a wee bit, and so she couldn't resist, and she just gave him this almighty nip, and he let out a yelp. And uh, so 
the mom turned around and said, well, you know what your daddy said to you, what was going to happen. So she took her, him, her firmly by the hand, put her son in the care of another person sitting in the pew, and headed determinedly towards the door with her daughter uh, dragging behind her. And everyone was singing a hymn. Just towards the end of the hymn, they reached the door at the back of the church. And it was just that moment of lull and quiet as everyone was sitting down after the hymn. And in that moment of lull, just as the uh, mother's hand was reaching out to the door, there was a little voice that rang out across the quiet church. Please pray for me. That's really what Esther has said to the people of the Jews in the citadel of Susa. Please pray for me. She's taken her life in her hands. If you go into the king's presence without his invitation, if he doesn't lift up the royal golden scepter towards you, then you would be immediately executed. And in the Persian Empire, they were not squeamish. Executions happened virtually on a daily basis. Esther 5 verse 1 says, On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall facing the entrance. In this moment, there are thousands of people praying for Esther. They know what she is doing and when she's doing it, and they're praying for her. And I'm sure they are praying and they are fasting hard because her life and their life and those of their children and those of their nation depend on this very moment when Esther walks in to the king's courtyard. The future of a nation depends on this moment. We know through recent history as well what it looks like when someone in power decides that the Jewish people or any other nation should be completely annihilated. We're aware of gas chambers. We know what it looks like and how a person can issue a decree to have an entire people wiped out. We also know what it looks like when we turn on the news today. What does it look like when other nations and peoples in the world are being slaughtered? This is a really serious moment and a really serious moment in Jewish history. People are on their knees. They are dressed in sackcloth. They have put ashes over their heads. They are weeping, they are fasting, and they are praying. And I imagine in this moment, Esther standing there in her royal robes, I imagine she has taken more care with her makeup that morning than ever before. She is trying to look her very best. She is trying to appear calm. Her heart is no doubt pounding. Her mouth is dry. She is trying to stay cool, calm, and collected. She is hoping when the king looks at her that she will see a smile in his eyes, a smile on his lips, and he, she knows that the destiny of herself and her people depend on that split second as she looks into the king's eyes. There's a prayer in the Book of Common Prayer which is for the 10th Sunday of Trinity that, that may well be a prayer that gives us a flavor of what Esther's prayer might have been like. Let your merciful ears, O Lord, be open to the prayer 
of your humble servants, that they may obtain their petitions. Make them to ask such things as please you, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Of course, Esther doesn't know Jesus. She doesn't know about Jesus, but she does know the one true God. And we've been reading the Old Testament recently over the last year or two and discovering the fact that the Old Testament, just as much as the New Testament, is all about Jesus Christ. And in this pivotal moment, the Lord is teaching us through the book of Esther about His sovereignty and the importance of prayer. One day, all of us will stand before the King of Kings. That was a name that that Xerxes gave himself, but I'm not talking about Xerxes, I'm talking about Jesus Christ. In the last service, we recited the Nicene Creed, which contains this line, that Jesus, the Lord, will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. Every single one of us, one day, will stand before the King of Kings. And thinking about, well, from a New Testament perspective, what does the royal scepter represent? For us, I imagine it represents Jesus Christ being born, living among us, dying our death for our sins, and rising to life. The golden scepter represents the mercy of God to us. And for us, we know the mercy of God lies ultimately in the crucifixion of the Son of God for you and for me. Another picture I often think about in terms of the mercy of God is in that story of the prodigal son that Jesus told of the father running out to the son. That's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the embodiment of the mercy of God. So Esther stands clothed in royal robes. And for us, we know that, particularly as we come into the New Testament, we know that only that which is clad in the royal robes of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit can dwell in the presence and the place of God. And so we need to be clothed in the holiness of Christ. The only way that we get to live in the presence of God, both here and also beyond death, is to be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Otherwise, as, as one person once said, it's like being a spacecraft without heat deflectors going close to the sun. Any human being who is not clothed in Christ will be burned to a crisp. It's so important for us to accept Christ as our Savior and Lord to be clothed in the righteousness of Christ.
so that not only can we be confident that we'll not face the death penalty, but actually we will stand in favor with the king. And this moment as Esther walks into the court is a foreshadowing of what it looks like in what Jesus Christ has done for us. The writer of the book of Esther is, is very canny. He's, he's a very clever writer. Not only has he written a book that has made its way into the Bible that explains the Jewish festival of Purim and yet doesn't mention God and doesn't mention prayer, at the start of chapter 5, he goes from a place where throughout the book he mentions King Xerxes over and over and over again. And the reason why he mentions King Xerxes repeatedly but never mentions God is because he wants us to compare and contrast the Persian King Xerxes with God who isn't even mentioned in the book. And particularly at the start of chapter 5, he wants us not to contrast Xerxes and God. He wants us to compare them. He wants us to see the likeness of the court on earth and the heavenly court in this moment whenever Esther steps into the presence of the king. And that's why at the start of chapter 5, the writer doesn't anymore use Xerxes' name. Throughout the rest of the book, he's always naming Xerxes. But in these verses, he just says he. He just says the king. And what the writer wants us to understand is, in this moment, Queen Esther is stepping into two courts, one on earth and one in heaven. And the one which is the really important one, the one which will determine the destiny of Esther and her people, is not the earthly court, it's the heavenly court. Esther is so relieved as she steps in. Standing there in the inner court, it says in Esther 5, verses 2, he welcomed her and held out the royal scepter to her. So Esther approached and touched the end of the scepter. Then the king asked her, what do you want, Queen Esther? What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. Wonderfully in prayer for you and I, when we pray, guided by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us as followers of Christ, we pray through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we have discovered as Christians that our King is totally approachable and he's even more generous King Xerxes offered half his kingdom. It was an empty promise. He, he probably said that quite frequently to people. Certainly wasn't going to give away half his kingdom. But the amazing thing is for us that in Christ, not only will we be delivered from eternal death, but we are brought into the Father's presence and we can approach him with utter confidence. There is no need for us to be afraid. Yes, we have always approached God with awe and reverence. Yes, He is our Father in heaven, but He is God Almighty. 
the final verse of that wonderful hymn, And Can It Be, goes like this. No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him my living head and clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. When you die, which may be tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, 50 years time, what will happen in that moment to you as you stand before Jesus Christ as the judge of all? If you've never asked Jesus Christ to say, I, I accept you as the one who has taken my punishment on yourself, has taken the death penalty that's due to me on yourself, I really encourage you, don't delay in making that decision. Sometimes, one of the most challenging parts of being a minister is praying with someone as they approach death who hasn't accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. That happened very recently, in recent days. One of the hardest things to do is to lead a funeral knowing the fact that the person whose body's in the coffin is someone who you'll never see again. But I don't just say that for the sake of us gathered here. What about our brothers and our sisters and our children and our grandchildren and our fathers and our mothers and our aunts and our uncles? and our sisters and brothers and friends and work colleagues and neighbors. If we believe that we are saved, then what have we been saved from? And therefore, what is the destiny of those who are not saved? But that's not the main thing I want to talk about today. The main thing I want to talk about today is the fact that we have been given the gift to be history shapers. You and I have been given the power and authority to transform the world around us. That's what Jesus Christ meant about being salt and light. But the primary place where that happens is in the place of prayer. So if you're frustrated about the situation with family members or work colleagues or yourself or the nation or the world, the most powerful thing you can do is to get down on your knees or sit in a chair or whatever it happens to be and to pray. We may well wonder 
why things work out the way they do. We may wonder as we read the book of Esther, why did God allow the Persian Empire to arise and an unwise king like Xerxes to come to power? Why did God allow Haman to be born and hatch his plan to destroy the Jews? Why did God urge Mordecai as a civil servant to refuse to bow the knee to Haman, causing Haman to issue an irrevocable edict declared over the Jews that they would all be marked for destruction, all 15 million of them. The most simple answer is that God's ways are inscrutable. They are mysterious, and they cannot be fathomed. But here's the thing, and here's the message of the book of Esther. The Lord always goes before His people, planning their salvation long before the threat arises. And so a girl called Hadassah is born a Jew. Her parents both die. She is raised by her cousin Mordecai. She is beautiful both on the inside and on the outside. She is a woman of deep faith and constant prayer. That faith is the faith that Mordecai seeks to draw out in her as he sends her this sobering message. Esther, if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. Faith is like gold to God. It's how we please Him. Hebrews 11 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. God's plans always involve us coming to Him with an issue that is too big for us, that we do not have control over, which is beyond us. This is the way God works. And the unfolding of God's plans involve us trusting Him to do what only He can do, putting ourselves at His mercy, trusting in His goodness and His power. And prayer is central to that, prayer by ourselves, prayer as we pray according to Jesus' example in the Lord's Prayer, prayer as Jesus guided us as we go into our room privately and shut the door and we get on our knees or sit down, whatever it is we do, and we pray in the secret place to God. Esther discovered that in that place of prayer, she gained the strength in fasting and prayer to risk death and enter the king's presence. And she's guided what to do, and she's guided when to do it. You see, prayer doesn't just change situations and people and shape history. Prayer also changes us. Esther was changed 
in those days of prayer and in doing something that God called her to do, which risked her life. Because our God is a great big God. He has a plan. The plan is brilliant. It's risky. It's shocking. It's unexpected and it's mysterious. That's the way God works. His ways are higher and different than our ways. And the thing is, God's always been laying the plan long before we're ever aware of it. So by the time we get to the place of prayer and by the time we see God answer it, we realize often God has been laying the tracks for the answer to that prayer long before we ever prayed it. His plan always involves his people praying and taking risks. His plan will bring untold goodness. His plan will overcome evil. And he will get the glory because he is the king of kings. So what are you facing which is beyond your control? Sickness for yourself or someone whom you love? Death? Disappointment? Temptation, uncertainty about relationships, finances, employment. What things do you feel are beyond your control? Do you feel the decisions of this government or international governments are going against you? Do you feel that you're in a position of vulnerability and powerlessness? Perhaps your employer is doing things that you just think, I am powerless to do something about this, but I know that it's wrong. What challenges do you face that seem beyond you? Well, don't be crushed by your circumstances. Instead, put on your royal robes in Christ. Pray, fast, Go and stand in the court of the true King of Kings. Put yourself at his mercy and disposal. Pray by yourself. Seek to pray with others. Do whatever he tells you to do, and whenever he tells you to do it, no matter how risky it is, no matter how inconvenient it is, and wait on his plan to unfold. See, here's the thing. I don't think Esther had much idea how God was going to save the day. I think she came to the point in prayer with thousands praying for her, desperate to know what to do, that she felt the Lord said to her, invite the king and Haman to dinner. I don't think Esther knew why. So she invited them to dinner. And perhaps even at the dinner itself, perhaps even there might have been a moment where she bottled it and couldn't speak. But no matter what, when King Xerxes says, what do you really want? And for whatever reason, Esther said, would you come back to dinner again tomorrow night? And then I'll tell you. And in God's plan, I won't spoil the story for you. 
In God's plan, Haman is true to form, full of rage and full of arrogance. And God uses the rage and arrogance of Haman to bring Haman down and to rescue the Jewish people. Sorry, bit of a spoiler. Charles Wesley's hymn, Soldiers of Christ, verse 3, goes like this. From strength to strength, go on. Wrestle and fight and pray. Tread all the powers of darkness down and win the well-fought day. Not having all things done and all your conflicts past, ye may overcome through Christ alone and stand complete at last. Some of the songs that we often sing at this service are about God taking slaves and turning them into royalty. If we want to know what are the solutions to the problems we face in the world, the answer is we're looking right at it when we look at each other. You and I are clothed in the robes of Christ. We have been given authority by the power of the Holy Spirit to tread all the powers of darkness down and win the well-fought day. That's why we as church are here. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage us all more frequently to ask for the Holy Spirit to fill us. One thing that I find very helpful in this is praying in the gift of tongues. I find it a real gift to become more aware of the royal robes of Christ, not just in here, but in here. And so the boldness and the authority rise up and our prayers are more filled with confidence and we pray more frequently, more guided by the Holy Spirit, with more authority, more anticipation, and more results. God has given us the gift of the royal scepter and the royal robes in Jesus Christ. The temptation for us, a temptation that I often fall into myself, is complaint rather than prayer. Why aren't the government doing something about that? Why does my employer do that? Why does such and such get on like that? Why can't I seem to break free from whatever it is? What if we, every time we were about to open our mouths in complaint, we decided instead not to say a thing and instead pray? This city would be transformed our families and extended families would be transformed. 
this nation would be transformed and this world would be transformed because we have the authority that Jesus Christ exercised on earth. Xerxes gave an empty promise. He offered Esther half the kingdom. He didn't really mean it. In Luke's gospel, Jesus looks at his little band of disciples and says, do not be afraid, little flock, because your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. All of the kingdom has been given to us. May we go out clad in the armor of God, filled with confidence and boldness, living each day in the presence of the King of Kings, praying continuously, praying for healing, speaking up on behalf of the voiceless and the poor, taking a stand for the vulnerable, and seeing this world transformed, not through our strength, but through our involvement as the Lord guides us to pray and to step out, to take risks, and to see the kingdom of God come ever more fully on earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to say sorry. Lord, I want to say sorry for the frequency of my complaint and my lack of prayer. Lord, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with fresh vision, fresh confidence, fresh peace, fresh joy, fresh boldness. And Lord, may we live constantly with an awareness of you as our heavenly Father, Jesus Christ as our King of kings, and the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, being clad in Christ Jesus, being confident that you are working your purpose out, that heaven is coming to earth, that the sick are being healed, that the dead will rise, that those who are far from Christ will come to him, that cities will be transformed, that countries will be at peace, that economy will thrive, that families will flourish, that joy will be poured out. Father, we just want to pray particularly for those who are bereaved. and We pray, Lord, your blessing on those who feel and sense the loss of someone dear to them recently. We pray for those who are friends and family of, of William and friends and family of Karen who have passed away this week. Lord, you are the binder up of broken hearts. You're the mender of wounds. You're the one alone 
who can bring life and life everlasting. Lord, may your peace be upon this world. May men and women cease from conflict and bloodshed. And may the ways of the Prince of Peace be seen increasingly in this world to your praise and glory. Amen. Let's stand to sing.